0: Thanks, everyone out there, for joining us. Tonight, we ask, why is Ray so blue? (laughs) We do once a month. It is Blu-ray night from Adam Long. I'm all out of of fresh intros, man. Uh Uh, I, I can't keep this up every month. That explains that. (laughs)
1: <laughs> uh, uh, I heard at the tail end of know. last week's show when uh, Jerry uh, was grudgingly, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <Sure. laughs>
2: probably, that
1: was probably the high. Well, no, I mean, I,
2: I actually think that's contributed. I've helped the Blu-ray market out this month by going to the Barnes and Noble, you know, fifty percent off sale. So. I thought I'd help. Oh, yeah. I help the Blu-ray market out twice. Twice a year, I help out. Okay, so just <laughs> leave me alone. Leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> I, I got a question for you, Adam.
1: Sure.
0: Okay. Uh, what do you think of Disaster Artist? The Disaster Artist.
1: Uh I actually liked it. I didn't love it. I'm not going to tell you I loved it, uh, but I did enjoy it. Um, I, it's not. Of course we didn't really expect it to be as good as Ed Wood I don't believe but uh you know it's funny the audience I was with really they were in hysterics most of the time and uh uh I, I have to admit I've never seen the room I know it's a blind spot for me but really? I, I think yeah I I've, I've seen clips but I've never seen it all the way through so I'm I'm familiar enough in, with it and uh, uh to know what was going on but mm-hmm. you know I just I had not seen it in its entirety, but I think that may be a good thing because once you see this and see see uh, how it was put together, then seeing the finished product might uh, uh, the, the a- afterward might might not be a bad idea. So uh, yeah. well, yeah. I, I,
0: that's why that's why I said really not because I was incredulous that you haven't seen <laughs> the movie. It's just because I, I was curious. People that don't know anything about the room, uh if they would get the same level of enjoyment out of it, um, and I certainly think it would make people want to run and pick up the room if they haven't oh, seen yeah. it after seeing the Bastard.
3: Run, don't, yeah. uh, run, run, don't if, walk.
0: If you could just watch the movie and see, see that it's a, it's a, about the making of an awful movie and just get the enjoyment mm-hmm. just from that mm-hmm. knowledge. But... Um, I don't think it will work as well if you don't know the room because so much of what's in the movie are like specific quirks and things that mm-hmm. people love about the room uh that aren't funny on the surface without that context
1: you know right yeah yeah I I I mean I di- I did enjoy it I I really even though and like I said I have enough knowledge about the room that that I think uh, enough uh, I knew enough about it to get me through. So, I, I, and I knew some of the quirks and some of the famous, infamous lines. I should say. So, uh, I, I think it, you know, it. But, but you do. You should have some knowledge of it. I think going into it, just going in blind would not be uh, advised. I would say. I mean, you could go on YouTube and see clips of, you know, the most notorious
4: parts of it. Right. I, yeah. That's what I've done. I, I'm. I'm not, you know, I'm not one to like go and pay to go see some shitty movie that I know is going to be shitty. I don't care if the audience loves it or not. Right, uh, right. Uh, so, but uh, uh, so to familiarize myself with it, uh, that's the tact I took. Was just, well, I'll just like look at the mm-hmm. the parts that are the most. Uh, outrageous uh, on YouTube and leaving it at that. I'm not going to sit through yeah. the whole goddamn thing. Well, but I'm much, much more interested <laughs> in in the disaster artist, particularly oh. as a as a vehicle for uh, James Franco's performance, uh, which are, me, I think is pretty well, highly lauded.
2: I, I yeah. think and, I want to add this to the whole conversation. You know, I remember seeing trailers for The Room while living out in Los Angeles. as a real about movie that I guess. They thought it would be a real movie. They showed it on the R you know, they re- I mean I remember seeing countless trailers and I never I was not there when it finally opened and obviously that was not <laughs> it did not matter. Now having watched the room many, many years later after it became this cult sensation, I can see watching it one, maybe two times, but it's not like Rocky Horror kind. I just don't see I can't see going every Friday downtown to watch it, which a lot of people do. I mean, I just can't imagine <laughs> yeah. I couldn't do that. I mean
0: no. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, I yeah. mean, Tommy Tommy Wiseau paid for all the billboards and and the theater that it screened in and all that kind of stuff. No. Uh, and 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 he is like a real mystery figure. That's some of the allure of it, um, because yeah. you don't know where he's from, what's wrong with him, where he got his money, <laughs> any of that kind of stuff. And you know, <laughs> and, and you know, the Hollywood Reporter did that whole uh, expose on Angeline, or is that her name? The, the, on the, Billboard on the bil- Yeah, yeah, uh, and drudged up her past. I'm sure they could do the same with Tommy Wiseau, but um, sure. but uh, that's part of the appeal of the movie too. Trying to figure him out. But I just find, uh, you know, I find it hysterical that James Franco decided to go total Brando playing Tommy Wiseau. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that in yeah, itself man. is funny it's to me, and he's great. Yeah, it is funny. He's, he's perfect.
2: Yeah, yeah he is. Tommy uh, Wiseau has managed to make a living off this. I mean, he wrote yeah, the he book. Does. I mean, he's managed to really make to make a name out of all this. So, well, yeah, whatever. Yeah. You know,
4: <laughs> me, 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 meanwhile, you know, great filmmakers lie, you know, starving in a gutter someplace. So. <laughs> oh, no.
0: Well, well, well what, I, what I didn't that's quite like point. in the movie is is the fr- the uh, the other Franco. What's yeah. his name? Dave. Oh yeah,
5: away.
0: yeah. He was fine, but I I just thought he was too like, off shucks all the way through it, you know, and and it just grated my nerves.
2: Yeah, well, that's, that's kind that's... of his stick though. That's kind of his thing though. If you watch a lot of the movies, you mean like Neighbor and, uh, and I get up.
0: Okay, that's his whole thing. That I don't yeah. that I
1: don't like him. It's not limited to No, that's... That's... Hell,
0: No, it's not. That's his it's... thing.
1: I wanted to briefly mention Wonder Wheel, which I saw this afternoon. Uh, if I could, uh, yeah, Woody Allen, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. And uh, I wanted to tell you again, this is another one that I I think is good, but not great. Uh, I think there is, it's it's got terrific uh, Vittorio Storaro cinematography, as you would imagine, mm-hmm. and, the, and the 50s period detail is is really really impeccable. Uh the the acting is just first rate all the way through and you know it's uh obviously it's one of the um uh the non-comedic <laughs> Woody films. Uh but I feel like he's uh treading some familiar ground again and uh you know and, and big part shot there. The yeah, it, it is. It is there's a lot of that going on. I had high hopes for this and I thought it was it really the trailer was so enticing, and um, I, I just could not wait to see it. And I, I was a little, little underwhelmed. But uh, having said that, there's there's some good stuff there, and I don't want to say that it's bad. But um, I did uh, I did catch that this afternoon, and and I also wanted to see if you guys had seen "I Love You, Daddy," which I saw about two weeks ago. So no, yeah, <laughs> I mean so the only gonna, way you're going like to be able to.
4: The only way you're going to be able to get that and see that is through a screener, you know. Okay. And mm-hmm. and we're, and uh, I personally haven't gotten a screener of it. Okay, so, I don't uh, but, um, but but maybe it'll be coming. You know, I got a big old pile of screeners right. here, but uh, no, they
0: told not... I'm sure they. I'm. Did did the scandal the, break like before they mailed that screener out to you, you Adam?
1: N- n- no, after. No, well, it's ever. funny. Yeah, yeah. It, it's funny how it happened. They sent the package. Literally two days before the story broke in the New York Times. Okay, that's why you—that's why you got it, right? it'll probably
0: nobody's going to get it from this point on.
4: Well, it'll probably it'll probably
2: sneak out there through. Oh wait, you know,
3: through 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 torrent
2: sites. I think that will be on a double bill of that in the day of the clown cry, I think that's that's what we're hoping for.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's actually not bad though. Uh, It's it's uh, I, I. there are things I liked about it. Uh, again, it's not perfect, but but it's uh, you know I, I recommend it with reservations uh, to be honest. Well, you have and, to uh, have reservations now. Uh, at of this course, point. of course, really. But I mean, let me be very
2: honest. Though so you mentioned Woody Allen, and I don't you know when he releases this next film with Elle Fanning and Drew Law. Mm-hmm. He's going into the frying pan, He's, I, have, I look I Oh, that one, that
4: one sounds. Uh, that's gonna drive. That's gonna drive the anti Woody uh, contingent out uh, out of their minds. Oh yeah, game. but I mean, he yeah.
2: should. But he, as he should know better. If I was him, I would not have made. He just should I, know better. You're just asking for. We're just asking for trouble he's, with he is, like he's, but
4: you know what? I think I think that Woody Allen is completely unaware of anything that's going on in the world because he's he's not connected through the internet. He's not no, interested. He's right. He I don't think that he uh, you know I don't think he's interested in anything but just working and that's it. He keeps his head down and does all that shit and has no idea of what people are saying about him. It's lucky for him too because you know people. People, yeah. People are still on his tip about it.
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's, that that's a great shit. point, Dean. Uh, Dean that's yeah. probably the most intelligent thing anyone has said about Woody Allen in quite some time. You're, he does not. He is in his own little world. It's like he's like oh, it's like <laughs> like the Glassman in Hasriel. Nothing enters that world yeah. uh, that doesn't. Yeah, want. more the, more than anything, he
4: doesn't want. I mean, he yeah. hears
0: he hears it because he's interviewed and asked about it all the time. The main thing with him is he just doesn't give a shit. He didn't give a shit. Week the accusation started twenty years ago. He said, "If people mm-hmm. want to think that, that's fine." I mean, uh, you know, if they don't want to see my movies because they think I'm a molester, that's fine. I mean, he does not give a shit. Even if the uh, accusations were uh, completely incorrect, uh, I care if people thought that I was a pedophile. I mean, I just couldn't help but care. <laughs> no, no, yeah, no, no, of course, but, of course. So no, it does but... take it does take a. Uh, some kind of institution or constitution, not not to let it affect you, or bother you in any way. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. yeah, I wanted to bring up a movie uh, uh,
4: that has gotten tremendous acclaim all year uh, uh, since it, since it hit the festival circuit early in the year, and now has been released on Netflix and is now considered a front, or, you know, a, a possible Oscar nominee for best picture. But I just don't get it the movie is is uh is D. Reeves's mudbound
2: oh, Dee Reeves,
3: okay.
4: Reeves did a movie a few years ago, ago called pariah which was uh, uh quite you know it was okay it was very art housey but uh um this this movie <clears throat> oh boy what a <laughs> i i'm just gonna read what I wrote about it in a in a little comment that I made on Facebook, which is kind of like a little mini review. Uh, well, uh, Mudbound is well intentioned and handsomely photographed, but I also thought it was a soapy, predictable, and unrelentingly miserable affair. You, uh, you know, it's funny. You rarely see these farmers with quotations around it farming in this movie. How is anyone making a penny off of these uh, unbelievably muddy fields? Everybody in it is a real sad sack. Uh, the woman who's played by uh, Carrie Mulligan is newly married to Jason Clark, uh, and yet uh, you know, a blind bat can see she prefers the caddish younger brother to her kind of meathead, quasi-decent husband. The Young Brothers, played by Garrett uh, Hed- Hedlund, or something like that. Hed- um, Hedlund, Hedlund. Yeah, yeah Hedlund, inside yeah. Inside
2: Lewin Davis, right? Inside right. Davis From
4: mm-hmm. yeah. Tron, I think. Um, <laughs> the Mud is the big star of the movie, and I was kind of <laughs> sick of it. And all the newspaper shack walls about 40 minutes in. I was kind of like, oh, i got to get out of here. i got to get out of here, or way before the beating started. And uh, finally, when the racist assholes like old Jonathan Banks and a couple of fat bastards start showing up, uh, saying things like, You're in Mississippi now, boy. I felt like the movie was on fucking autopilot. Uh, You know, the black family who's all, you know, St. Louis. Mary J. Blige uh, plays the mother. I forget the actor's name plays the dad. Uh, and of course, it's it's Jason Mitchell who's probably the best thing in the movie, uh, as the son who goes away to war, uh, comes back to Mississippi and is immediately harassed. And uh, I just knew that the black family is going to get a lot of misery, and the white family is going to be the cause of it. But everybody's going to remain all saintly and dignified, particularly the black characters. And the whites are going to be Begrudgingly giving, I guess And, you know Meanwhile, the woman in the movie Is really shoved into the background As kind of a prize for the Warring Brothers And, boy, does she have some real winners To choose from here A drunken fool and a boring lunkhead And The one character that I like Jason Mitchell Bears the brunt of most of the abuse in the film And you can just see How it's going to go It's it's a more unrelentingly downbeat movie than even the vilified Mother is. I mean, Mother looks like a fucking fucking you know looks looks like a Rodgers and Hammerstein musical compared to this. Uh, I mean, I, you know, I loved Jason Mitchell. In I'd it. like to see that.
3: <laughs>
4: that would be good I loved Mitchell in it and I did find the finale moving but I honestly would not recommend this movie to anyone because I thought it was a deadly slog through the corn pone. that was it I, I, I don't see how uh, how this movie could get a best picture nomination particularly given that it's a Netflix movie
1: what about that Mary J. Blige performance that everybody's talking about there
4: uh, well, she I mean she doesn't have any makeup she's on actually, and she doesn't she doesn't actually, have her gu- gucci glasses and her and her earrings in, but I mean she's
2: she's actually she's, pretty good in the movie. Um, you uh, I yeah, but it's a
4: nothing role. I mean I didn't think it was much of a role. She she doesn't I, have I, very many lines. The it's the dad no, that's no, but got the lines.
2: It's not it's not a bad movie. I mean it reminded me it's like a a southern how's it say it's a southern take on Dalton Abbey. Really? Um, what? It's, it's, Why? <laughs> how? <laughs> no, no, no. Because um, you're dealing with different. You're dealing with the uh, you have to look at it from. A, how do I say this? Because they. Well, they're, they're both the in the short, same class. Sort of, but they both go. But you have the master, if you will, the master and the servant go fight in the war together. That's also one of the predominant storylines of Dot Mabby where he oh, goes actually. to fight in the Boer War. And then he comes back, and he saves his life I, in World I see, War I. I get it. Okay. Yeah, so there's that rift on it. I'm not saying that's a dominant thing, but that's one of the things I liked about it. Um, that was the, but, only,
4: the only thing in it that's worthwhile is those scenes with Mitchell and Hed- Hedlund together. Those those are probably the, good, those are the only yeah, good scenes in the movie. I,
2: that's the part of the movie I really
4: responded to. I think um, they, I really everybody else does too, but you have to like slog through an hour and a half of other shit in order to – I think to. my
2: problem with the movie – my problem with the movie, and I didn't let – I mean I, I think I, I liked it more than you, but I definitely – I understand where you're coming from. You And he also got it – this is actually – I went to the Lincoln Plaza the other day. I watched it on Netflix, but you can go see this in the theaters if you live in New York. You can go to Lincoln Plaza – yeah. See this. Um, it's, I think my problem with the movie is it's sort of it needs a little. They need to tighten it up a little bit in the first half because it's told in different you know, different points of view. That it's is so like true. A, it doesn't get going
4: until 50 minutes
2: into the movie. Yeah, yeah. Movie. Because it, you, it's a, if you didn't know any better, you think you're watching. Um, um, William Faulkner's As They Lay Dying or something, which will be, speaking of James Franco, he had made it into one of the most confusing movies, a confusing book, into an even more confusing movie several years ago. But um, it doesn't it has that mix kind of trying to change up the narratives. And I found that was my problem with the first half of the movie. I didn't know... I All the narrators? Being, I didn't understand what the... What the? I mean, I understood what they are trying to do by doing that with the multiple narratives, but I thought it got very confusing in like twenty, twenty to twenty to thirty minute mark. I was just like, wait a minute, guys, you, you're getting. I think you're you're overlapping things. And but I do I do think the Jason Mitchell part, that part, and especially going off to the war, I thought I responded to that very strongly. But mm. I do wish that was more of the movie. But I do like it. I don't. I understand what you're saying. And you do wonder where, because remember it's, this was the movie at Sundance earlier in the year that everyone was raving about. It broke um,
4: records for for you know they they snatched it up quickly and paid top, top dollar for it. So I mean, I don't know. I, I just. Uh, it's I I don't see it. You know what I would say is, look if you want to see a movie like this, go watch a good one. Go watch Places in the Heart, Robert Benton's Places in the Heart.
3: Mm-hmm. That's a
4: much better movie. I mean, it's a you know it's a it's a tighter movie. It's a more moving mm-hmm. film, and it basically covers the same kind of ground. And uh, you know, but uh, you know, I, I
2: was thinking because it's, it's Netflix who bought it, so that. I was wondering if maybe there was an opportunity to break the movie up maybe into two parts, to have it maybe the part one and two, to go back into the editing room instead of maybe releasing it as a movie and kind of like break it up maybe into – because it is Netflix, and you could do that. You could get away with that on that platform. And that's how they're they could have done whatever they wanted with and maybe made it into a two-part, I thought, yeah played around with – you know, you know it played around with the structure, and maybe um, – and that would, I think, help it – um. Yeah, I think I think they're I think they're, I think they're the
4: booking for movies. awards. They um, want they they want to break the the they want to break the uh, the Oscar ceiling is what well, they want to well, do. Well, they have
2: the other movie. They have the Angelina Jolie movie in the foreign film cat that they're trying to get. Yes, yeah. so they do have that movie. Yeah, that's interesting.
0: Angelina Jolie might win best foreign film this year. <laughs> <laughs> that's,
4: that's How wild, weird.
0: That?
4: Yeah, that that's is crazy. that is that is weird. Yeah, what is it with Angelina Jolie, by the way, doing all
0: of these really horrible movies about torture? What, what is it?
2: Let's, uh, is it, let's, is let's, she telling, us, is she telling us
0: something yet. about Brad Pitt? I don't know. Is that what you're
2: getting at, <laughs> let's, 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 I haven't uh-huh. seen this one yet, but let's just let's – just, remember, she went on her honeymoon to make By the Sea*. Okay, just remember that. That just that I think that tells you everything you know. <laughs> <laughs> We're I'm going on my honeymoon to make a movie about a bad marriage. So um, what? She's
4: got know. like a sadistic an S and M quality to her, is that what you're saying?
2: There's I think like, so, yes. I, I it has to be. I,
0: uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I, maybe the point, she's, I I think I think she's just so she's so socially conscious. I mean, she does throw herself that's behind this. She's the ambassador. What is she like? The goodwill ambassador or something? She's or, the good that's or true. Ambassador, she, or she is. <laughs> yeah. That's uh, true. Yeah. Yeah. But I, liked I mean, I like I liked, I liked <laughs> By the Sea because it was that exotic location, and it was scored by Gabriel Yared, and I thought yeah. that was so perfect. So I was like, oh, I like it based on that alone. <laughs>
2: oh, it's a beautiful-looking movie. Don't get me wrong; it's an interesting movie. It's just like it's not the first thing I think of when I go on my honeymoon that I'd want to make a movie about. A yeah, like, I think I think the Pam and Tommy Lee
0: tape. When I go on my honeymoon, I
2: don't
3: yeah. think. It <laughs> 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 yeah,
4: nah, I I just I I find it I find it baffling though that, that uh, she's done four movies and they're all they're all about you know. People getting some their brains beat out. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I just uh, I don't get it.
0: Adam.
2: <laughs> hey Adam. Hi Adam.
0: Hi. I'm still here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all
4: right. Let's all get right. this. Let's get this train a rolling.
0: Yeah. yeah. Let's talk about some movies
1: we can all agree are bad. Come on, Adam.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
3: yes.
1: Well, we'll start with something that uh, I don't think we'll agree that's bad. Uh, the Omerta edition of the Godfather trilogy has been issued by Paramount. And what makes What's this so special? O- <laughs> Omerta? <laughs> yeah, really.
3: Yeah, what makes this... Yeah, yeah.
1: What, what
2: makes this... I don't understand. Yeah. Is this new stuff on this from the last or? <laughs>
1: Yeah, you're asking, what makes this so special? Well, uh, first of all, they're limited edition. Uh, 45,000 are being manufactured, and that's it. Um, it's a celebration of the 45th anniversary, obviously, of the original Godfather, but the other two films are paired with it, and it's uh, in, in, uh, encased... In this uh, packaging that looks like a, a well-worn book, with uh, the the sides of it look like uh, th- looks like there's w- pages that have been well-read and all of that. And then inside, you get um, several new things. There are trivia cards, magnetic poetry, where it says uh, you create your own inspired phrases with words from the dialogue.
3: Uh. Quote
1: cards, and there is a script here uh, with actual uh, pictures. Uh, that you can see, that you can compare it with the pages in the original script to the to how it was actually wound up on on screen, and then it has you know uh, basically the rest of it is just repackaging from the uh, the Coppola restoration release from several years ago. So it's has, basically just the packaging.
4: It's right. It's, yeah. it's, uh, it's nothing in the movie or whatever.
1: No, no, they've not uh, put anything any different here, but all the other stuff is carried over, and, and it is a nice package. Uh, you got you got one of these. I did, yes, they did send me one you wow, you it. are
4: getting the major swag on this show. <laughs> we get nothing, we get we get zero. You can at least send us like a couple of couple of trinkets every now and then. <laughs> you could send
1: us. You could send us something our way. Something.
4: <laughs> Jeez. Well, think, Just,
1: my, mine was numbered uh, twenty-two thousand ninety-four out of forty-five thousand. So. Uh, oh so,
4: uh, yeah. All right. Well.
0: Man, I yeah. bought I bought, a, I bought a limited pressing album the other day because it was really cheap and uh, only five hundred were pressed and they're marked. I got number fifteen. I was like, oh, wow. I feel like I won nice. the lottery in that way. You know, it's completely meaningless. But <laughs> the, uh, it's funny, the thing with The Godfather. I was watching the Today Show last week,
3: mm-hmm. and
0: there were like five or six different people they had on that were showing their favorite Thanksgiving recipe. And this one guy had a cake, and he had a wire in the center of the cake, and he showed how you could cut the cake in half with the wire. You know, if you if it's inlaid in the middle of the cake, you can just slice it. Completely in half, and and how he phrased it was, okay. What I'm going to do is I'm going to luca Brazzi it, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and all the guy all the guys laughed. The woman had no damn idea what the hell he was talking about. <laughs> like,
3: hey, I like that great. phrase.
0: I like that phrase. Yeah. Every time every Luke time I, of- I, I I floss my teeth, I'm going to say that I'm luca
1: bratsing my teeth. Yeah, that's cute. <laughs> uh, all right. So, well, moving on. Yeah, well, uh I, I did get my first batch of ultra HD discs, uh and I, I I got a player here a couple of weeks ago, so I'm able to play them now and and a monitor and uh, the first four Harry Potter uh films were issued on ultra HD and uh I got to tell you these these look pretty good. Um they're all they uh, are they How all are, they, the, how are uh, they different from 4K from 4K, or is it? Is it's it the same. same it's thing? the same thing. It's 4K Ultra HD. It's okay. all the same thing. Yeah. Okay. It's just uh, they have this thing called a high, din- high dynamic range, which uh, uh, they go back in, and, and there's something about the mastering of the film which brings out, you know, the the blacks and the the color. Well, the colors in general just are more vivid, and uh, you you can definitely tell. I mean, I, I think probably on newer films you're going to see more of a pop but still it's pretty amazing what they've done for these old uh these harry potter films these first four you know considering how far back they go but uh this was my first foray into the ultra hd world and i didn't get to uh sample all the extras but i went in to just uh sample the actual transfers and they and they really look good so uh, if you're a harry potter fan and you're you're making your way and of course they include a blu-ray uh edition as well so if you don't have the 4K player and you you know you there's the blu-ray option as well so anyway uh the Okay, here's another the, question for you Adam.
0: Yeah. So so when, when when Criterion says that they that they're releasing the 4K restoration of Night of the Living Dead. Mm-hmm. but they're not releasing it on
1: 4K. They're not releasing no. it on a 4K Ultra HD format okay no you're you're right yeah they they okay. uh you know they have a master that that's in four k but they're they're basically releasing it in two k <laughs> if that right. makes any sense but they have oh, the yeah. capability and, uh, in, and 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 yeah. and y two and no, k sorry <laughs> mm. but you know as far now you're talking about the night of the living dead that comes out in february, a big announcement as uh you guys probably know. And what's really interesting about this is there's going to be a second disc that contains the work print of Night of the Living Dead, which is 10 minutes longer than the uh, original theatrical cut that we that we all know and love. So that's a that's a pretty big deal. And it also has been uh, remastered in 4K, from what I understand. And there's a, just a ton of extras there. And and supposedly Romero worked on the uh, the transfer of this not long before his death. So that's coming out in February. That is something to get really excited about, I believe. Mm. So uh, Yes. Yeah, for sure, because it's been languishing in so many subpar editions uh, yeah. you know, due to the rights issues for years, and uh, we all know about that story. So, um, so I will say that uh, Kino uh, Lorber has issued The Burning Bed on uh, mm. Blu-ray, and what makes this interesting is that – Um, they've actually issued it in the widescreen 1.78 to 1 aspect ratio that uh, the film was shown in European theaters. Mm. So it actually has more of a a cinematic quality and a great transfer, by the way, and a nice little interview here with the director, Robert Greenwald, on here uh, as he recalls the process of making the movie and, and everything. And, of course, this was... At a time when Farrah Fawcett was trying to reestablish herself, and this was the one that kind of led to mm-hmm. the second phase of her career, as we all know. Right. And, uh, but people forget that Paul Lamad is really great in there too. As yes. Her, uh, abusive husband. Uh, yes,
3: he's great connected. in it.
1: Yeah. And especially, especially
4: he's very much playing against type because he's very, in in all the previous movies he'd been in, he's a very agreeable character in just about every one of them. So. Yes uh so to see him uh playing this this real bastard is uh is really really interesting it, it's been a long time since i've seen it so i'm looking forward to checking it out again even though it's a very difficult movie um yeah
1: still holds but, up it's it's good still effective
4: yeah
0: um, uh, good uh, yeah i watched I would... extremities again and uh so when i got done watching that i was like well i'd like to see the burning bed again cuz i remember seeing pieces of it when it first aired but I was like a kid um mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but uh it only it, it was only carried on like the MGM cable channel and I'm not going to buy MGM just to watch the burning Pad. so I guess <laughs> I need to find it tough finding it the way. but uh yeah extremities is uh well, it's just okay it's, it's like, like a play but it's a, it, fe- it feels like it, it is feels like what it is, well, it is a which play. is yeah, I
4: know yeah. it's a play, mm-hmm. but uh, but it feels like a play, you know, because mm-hmm. it's it's stuck in that room and everything. But she's really good in it. I feel like uh, I feel like the other guy that what is it? James Remar, who's in that? Who is it? I, I
2: think I'm not a hundred percent long. Russo. Russo. Mm-hmm. James oh, he's, uh, oh, James Russo. Yeah. Oh, we we had him on yeah. the show actually for the anniversary of Extremities.
0: We did a
4: show right. About it. Yeah, I I feel like he's a little weak in it. Yeah, you know, maybe uh, that's just how I feel about that actor. Though, really, but it um, was a weird
0: uh, a weird track that uh, Fawcett was on for a while. Like
3: the, mm-hmm.
4: uh, yeah, Yeah, uh, you know. I think she succeeded in in uh, in changing. Oh, yeah. The yeah. view of her yeah. acting and so forth. So, um, I wish she had done more work though. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, Oh yeah, it it feels like it feels like the only thing that we can point to uh, as who are all I can remember is those two movies, Extremities and Burning Bed, and and the Apostle, and that's it. Mm -hmm. Um, So. And she's in
0: the. the Why didn't Why didn't uh,
1: Why didn't Heather Locklear ever get in (laughs) the (laughs) movies? What What else was she in? Adam. In the Dr. T and the Women. Yeah, Dr. T and the Women, yeah. Oh,
4: I forgot about that. I, you know, actually, that's an Altman I haven't seen yet. So.
2: Yeah. I love that movie. I really love that's that's that That's a movie. good movie. Very underrated movie, I think.
4: It's an underrated oh, okay.
1: movie. Yeah. Um, okay. So. Yeah, so – well they, Kino must have been onto these uh releasing these ex charlie's angels uh vehicles because they also issued Night Kill with Jacqueline Smith and Mike Connors and
3: uh wow. Robert Mitchum
1: and James Franciscus, which was the, oh, starring, wow. uh, the yeah, the film debut of uh the uh big screen debut of Jacqueline Smith, so
4: <laughs> God, I can't even name one other movie she's ever been in uh, she was my favorite
2: angel.
1: Yeah, wasn't she the uh-huh. one, the only one that was there for the entire series run? I yes, believe? yes, yeah.
2: I think uh, you're right. Holy shit, she was
4: she was the best one though. And she yeah. and I, she and I share a birthday. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, so didn't know that. That's,
4: that's interesting. Pretty Pretty mm.
0: Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, well, and she, but and she uh, has so her own clothing line at Kmart,
1: doesn't she? I mean, is, she does. That is true.
3: <laughs> she does.
1: Yeah. So uh, the 1967 Western, this is another one that for a while was in public domain, but I think the MGM reclaimed the rights to it, Death Rides a Horse, mm. uh, with Lee Van Cleef, mm, and John Philip Law. And this is uh, one of those spaghetti Westerns, but pretty effective nonetheless. And uh, great great music score by Ennio Morcone. Uh, and this, uh, this edition that Kino has put out has an audio commentary by Alex Cox. Well, <laughs> so, okay. Obviously, mm, interesting. So, um anyway, Death Rides a Horse with Lee Van Cleef and John Philip Law and uh, I know you talked about this one last week Dean, but I'll mention it again. Kino has issued uh, Dawson City Frozen Time mm, uh, yeah. by the director Bill Morrison and I had pretty much the same reaction you did to it. Um did that music and, just drive you nuts? Yeah, it did. Oh my God! <laughs> I was like, ah! It did. I just, I, yeah,
4: I was. cut it off and put on some Eric Satie instead. Just loved that.
1: Yeah. You know. I, just, I did. I did not do that, but I, I should have. Good, good. idea. So, uh, uh, Warner, one Archive has. Yeah. By the e- way, Ale, Alex Cox. Alex Cox is the
0: only person that's ever asked us to do a tribute show to him. Really? Wow. <laughs>
1: Let's oh, do wow. it.
2: Hell, I yeah. know sure. a lot about. It. I read I read his book. I mean, I read Alex
3: Cox's
4: book. That was, so, like, you know. uh, was like 7 years ago. Mm-hmm. Oh, shit! Well, well we should, uh, you, you could easily reach out Where's to him room? and I'd lo- I'd love to or even talk to him. I, I mm-hmm. I'd love to talk to that guy.
1: Yeah.
0: I almost had him on one time because um he um uh, <coughs> he wrote a book about Oswald yeah, I forgot about it. Uh, well, sure did. Interviewing connection to that book. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
4: yeah. I'm going to I've uh got on order by the way, um book called Reclaiming Parkland, which is about yeah. the uh which is about the um I guess it's it, it's Tom Hanks's uh, effort to make the Vincent buyosi book Reclaiming History, which is the book that I love uh into a movie well it's a mm-hmm.
3: 1600
4: page book and uh and uh it's very exhaustive and, and its goal is to uh claim that that Oswald did it alone and that's it and all the conspiracy theories are just kind of idiocy uh so i'm really looking forward to reading that that particular book and i'll report on it yeah
0: interesting yeah it's 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 not going to be a movie <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't. Well, sorry there's no way they could on. do
4: it as a movie.
0: I mean, no, they they they, had, they wrote it, they wrote it, and everything for HBO, and then HBO passed on it before mm-hmm. Paxton was even killed, because it was a mm-hmm. joint venture between Hanks and Paxton. Th-
1: that's yeah. right. I forgot about that. Yeah, he mentioned that on the Mark uh, Maron interview when uh, about two weeks before he passed. So yeah, yeah, he sure did. Shame. That's a shame. Well, yeah.
4: somebody else could do it. So. It doesn't, yeah. doesn't matter if HBO doesn't want to do it. Um uh, but uh um okay, moving
1: on. Yeah, so any of you guys uh seen uh, Hell on Frisco Bay from nineteen fifty five, it's a Warner Archive release and uh Alan Ladd and Edward G. Robinson and uh Fay Ray. Wow for <laughs> wow. a pretty sizable role here as a as a faded uh screen queen. Mm. uh and she has a pretty good part uh anyway it's it 's a film noir but what <coughs> makes it interesting is that it was number one shot in cinemascope mm. and uh, it 's directed by frank tuttle has a max Steiner score by the way and it oh, wow. uh, also has william Demarest in it <laughs> we, we 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 all love him i think this this it,
4: sounds this sounds really good this, this it
1: is it is good uh and uh it's it's a film noir in in Technicolor and cinemascope so that when you think of Film noir, you don't necessarily think of this, and I those two things. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, this one actually, I'd gotten, an, uh, I'd gotten a press release on it, and I kind of discarded it without really paying close attention. And I, Warner Archive has a podcast, and I was listening to it, and they were talking about how they uh, had never uh they couldn't find a master and they finally did and they were talking it up and i'm like oh i gotta have that so i <laughs> went back and and uh and, and found the email and got it and and looked at it, and it is quite good uh so I, and it came out at the tail end of last month and i i didn't get a chance to mention it so i just wanted to say that hell on frisco bay it's about oh. an ex-cop who's been he's basically just released from prison and he's going after uh Edward G. Robinson, who uh, killed somebody and had him framed for the murder, uh, okay. Alan Ladd is the ex-cop. So that's that's your plot. Wow,
4: that that, that sounds that sounds terrific. Uh, that sounds right up my alley. It, uh, thanks thanks for that one. Now.
1: Oh yeah, it's good. It's good. I wanted to mention that. And uh, I met in,
4: Faye, I met Fay Ray.
1: Wow, really?
4: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I did. Wow. At the uh, at the Palm, uh, I guess it was a Palm. Springs International Film Festival in Florida, Mm -hmm. wherever, you know, uh, down close close to Boca Raton. Uh, She was there in connection with a movie called Broadway, The Golden Age, which was done by my friend uh, Rick McKay. And he's he's currently working on the second installment of, of his Broadway trilogy, where he interviews everybody in Under the Sun, Uh, and uh, Faye Ray is one of the people that uh, he brought down there, and uh, he introduced me to her, and um, uh, he actually invited me. I was up in New York, and he invited me to to go to her, uh, to visit her at her apartment in New York when I couldn't go, which is a missed opportunity. But, uh, but, uh, you know, she was obviously, you know, quite old at the time she was in a wheelchair and everything but still spry and and mm. uh and uh sharp so uh so that was a real thrill and uh that knowing her by the way led him into the world of Peter Jackson and he went to uh New Zealand to uh to uh film Peter Jackson doing King his version of King Kong I don't know what ever happened to a lot of that footage but
1: oh that's fascinating <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting to see her in Hell on Frisco Bay because she's a brunette in this film, and because we know her from King Kong, and so it's kind of interesting to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you know, you know the face. There's no doubt mm-hmm. that it's her. Yeah. So, uh, but it's it's a it's a good part for her, you know, uh, 20 years after 20 years after King Kong. So,
3: yeah. Uh, okay.
1: So, uh, in, Into the Night is the next title. Uh, that's a Shout Factory release, and. Uh, this is uh, has some nice extras, if you're a fan of Into the Night. It has the award-winning documentary about the making of it, B.B. Uh, B. King, Into the Night, and the uh, Jeff Goldblum. Uh, it's a new featurette called Re- Requiem for an Insomniac, and there's a new piece here with John Landis uh, where he talks about it. It's called Back Into the Night. There's the trailer and the, a new master, and uh, we're, we're talking about the 1985 um, comedy with uh, Jeff Goldblum and Michelle Pfeiffer, of course, that has... Uh, the interesting pairing of David Bowie and Carl Perkins as uh, gangsters. Uh, <laughs> that's right. Oh, that's right.
2: Yeah. <laughs> it,
1: it, it actually has a tremendous
4: number of cameos in it. Yes. I mean, if you've, yes. if you've never seen it. And a lot of the cameos are done by directors, you know. Um, True. Uh, uh David Cronenberg, Richard Franklin, uh Sam Raimi, Waldo Salt, uh Rick Baker, Sam Raimi, Paul Bartell. Yeah. Don Siegel, Jim Henson. Mm-hmm. Um, Frank uh, Oz,
1: I believe, isn't he? Or maybe. I can't remember
4: Frank, if he's in it or not. Frank Oz, uh, Roger Rose. Frank Vigil. Oz is in a lot
1: of his movies.
4: Yeah. Yeah, he was in that, about every one of them, wasn't he? Remember, uh, yeah, Spielberg's, so. in remember Spielberg's
2: in the Blues Brothers. Remember, Spielberg is in the Blues Brothers. Remember that? Mm-hmm. Yes.
4: Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Jonathan Demme's in this, Carl Gottlieb. Uh, yep. All, all sorts of people are in the film.
1: I love it. I just love this movie. I have to admit, it's just—it's uh, a good movie. It's it is. To be sorry about It's a really good movie. <laughs> it's, it's, and I'm I'm glad Shout Factory put this one out. It's on their Shout Select line, and uh, they've done a great job. So, they must be commended. Uh, and, when are we going to uh, get
0: uh, When are we going to get uh, Vibes? When is that coming out? Vibes! <laughs>
3: It, that sure come
1: about? I'm sure it's uh, on the way uh some from somebody. I you know, uh interesting you should mention that because along the same line last summer there was a British company that put out Electric Dreams but mm. it hasn't that's never been issued yeah. in America by the way. So uh, <laughs> that's a cult that,
0: movie. That's a cult movie it, it, is. Uh, oh, the, it is. uh and the uh, if if you really want to be a bloom completist, uh you got to throw in like uh, Beyond Therapy. Christopher oh, Garang, oh, Robert yeah, Altman. Yeah. Yeah, true. true. Yeah, yeah. That's a good point. It's terrible. It's a terrible version.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
4: I've heard it's one of his worst. So, yeah. is it worse than OC and
3: Stiggs?
0: <laughs> uh, I think so. I mean, it is, it's, it's 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 completely forgettable. But the mm. it's interesting because the character that Goldblum plays, he just that character is supposed to just break into tears like for no reason at all. That he's just highly emotional. Mm-hmm. And, there's a scene in a restaurant where he's with a woman and he starts breaking into tears. I guess Goldblum couldn't do that. So he just would stop and put... uh, This is all on camera. This is the character that he created. He'd stop, he'd put eye drops in his eyes, and then he'd pretend like he'd cry.
3: Uh, (laughs) Well, that's kind of funny.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well... The 1981 film Attack Force Z has been issued in a 35th anniversary edition from Umbrella Entertainment. This is the Mel Gibson Sam Neill film that we're talking about. Yeah, so like double feature. Of this is Daddy's Home too. I mean, you can't. You can't, you can't <laughs> yeah, so there's that. And the Philadelphia Story, the classic comedy, uh, has been issued mm. by Criterion with a, a nice yeah. uh, deluxe edition. Lots of extras there, and the right by the stuff. Way, can well, I ahead. talk about Can I talk about the
4: Philadelphia story for sure, a minute? Sure, go
1: ahead.
4: Yeah. I I know that I'm supposed to love this movie. I know that this cast is great. You know Hepburn and Grant and and uh, is it care Grant in it? Or, uh, mm-hmm. and, yeah, and Grant. Sure. And, and uh, uh, it's been a long time since I've seen it. And of course, mm-hmm. James Stewart. I know I'm supposed to love this movie but every time i watch it i am bored shitless <laughs> i i cannot and i'm not bored by the, the movies of this type you know i like a yeah. lot of movies of this genre with these stars and these people uh, involved with it. but that movie just kills me with boredom. I, I <laughs> does need, why is this movie so revered? Because it has those people in it? I mean they're much better
2: it's much the situation. better situation there's a the situation they're in. It's really universal. I mean every girl I've ever dated loves this movie. I mean really just adores this movie. Um so it's a situation, it's it's a, i mean it's a classic comedy of manners film, there's no doubt about it. Um every girl I've dated doesn't even know where Philadelphia is. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's you gotta stop yeah. going to the correctional you gotta
2: stop going to the correctional facilities, my friend. I stopped that years ago. I mean just <laughs> Good.
1: Uh
4: yeah. Yeah, I I just I don't know. How do you guys feel about it? I I, I, I mean, Jerry obviously I, likes it. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I
2: have no choice in the matter. I had no choice in the matter. How's that?
1: <laughs> I'm I'm kind of lukewarm on it. I I don't hate it, uh, but I, I just feel like it's average. You know, it's yeah. not. Yeah. It's just uh, – yeah, it's it's a little overrated. I agree. Kind of like what we were talking about, I think, last month with Rebecca or maybe it was the month before yes. that. We, it's a little – just a little uh, overpraised, I believe. Yes, I agree. Uh, yeah, so, but the, so the right stuff has been reissued in the 30th anniversary – edition. It says 30th anniversary, but I think that would be 35th. <laughs> yeah, uh, no, it's the yeah. 35th. <laughs> it would be the 35th, yeah. It is, yeah, but anyway, so there's that. Um, and The Mercenary, which is a 1968 Sergio Corbucci. That's a great uh, movie, too. Yeah, with no, Franco made, Nero. Too. We got a couple of good ones
2: here, man. Franco Nero, wow, shit. That's a great yeah, movie.
1: Tony Musante.
2: Jack Collins is, is in that, isn't he? Yeah, isn't I believe so. Mm-hmm. Yes, there's curly. Uh, on
1: yeah, and then there's uh, no, there's Curly. It's
0: his Curly. Cr- yeah, it's his, his name's Curly and rat too. That's true. yep. Wow,
3: yeah. that's
0: interesting. Uh, well, name the two
3: movies. Man. That's
4: a that's a trivia <laughs> question. Name the two <laughs> movies that uh, uh, Jack Palance was named Curly in. That's, <laughs>
0: yeah,
3: that,
4: that and he made more, he
0: made more of a living playing Curly than that Three Stooges guy. <laughs> <laughs>
1: So the 1977 horror film Satan's Cheerleaders, which stars John Ireland, Yvonne De Carlo, and John Carradine, has finished. Oh, of, yeah, oh, of course. Yeah, man. Yeah.
3: Satan's
4: that Cheerleaders. Is it 3D? Uh, no,
1: no, no. not. Too bad. But, uh, <laughs> Too bad. Uh, <laughs> but it is 4K. You know, <laughs> well, yeah Well, it's funny, you know, I see John Carradine's name in these movies dur- They were made during this period And I always think about that quote Joe Dante made On the uh, the, the bonus features on the Howling Blu-ray Because he said uh, He made the Howling at a period when he was saying yes to a lot of things That he should have said no to <laughs> mm, Yeah, that's true Oh, well <laughs> Anyway, uh, so, and this is one of my all-time favorite films. I, I think uh, there's no secret about that. The Summer of 42
3: mm. has been issued by mm-hmm. Warner
1: Archive. And uh, i got to say, I'll, I'll do a little promo here. Uh, I'm supposed to be talking to the writer of Summer of 42 tomorrow night. And uh, if all goes well, so hopefully we'll have an interview with Mr. Herman Roucher uh, on tap uh, for tomorrow. And he wrote a lot of Things during the 70s, and he's an uncredited screenwriter also on the Great Santini, which I did not know until I was doing mm. some research. And he also wrote the uh, story that was the inspiration for Follow That Dream, the Elvis Presley film. So oh, he should oh. have some. <laughs> should have some. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> should should have some interesting stories from Mr. Roucher. So, anyway, Summer 42, I love, I adore this film. Uh it's it's the perfect blend for me of comedy and sentimentality and wistfulness and it's beautifully photographed by uh Robert Sertis and uh, the Oscar-winning score by Mi- uh Michel Legrand, of course, and uh just uh you know, great performances, everybody hits the right notes and and the uh, the Blu-ray is awesome. Uh I just uh, Warner Archive did a show on this about the restoration, and they um, they uh, they actually said there were a lot of lens flares on the uh, the uh, the master, and they were they had to go back and compare it to the camera negative to make sure that it wasn't some imperfection in their print. But turns out that was the way that Robert Sertie shot the film, and there were a lot of uh, a lot of that. I guess to give it that nostalgic look, but they've done a really, really great job restoring this. There's no extras, unfortunately, but um, essentially, anyway...
0: J.J. Uh, uh, J. Abrams Film School, that, that
1: photography.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah.
4: <laughs> it's, a, it, it, it's, a, it's a really good uh, movie. It's been a long time since I've seen it, but it mm-hmm. it is it it really is that score that uh, and the photography that make it work yes. i think for for me i I, uh, I love jennifer O'Neill in it but frankly for me the movie kind of falls down with the three kids in it the three boys i i don't i don't think yeah. that I, I i don't respond to them uh it, the way that i should so i, I I'm kind of I'm a little more lukewarm on the movie than uh, <laughs> the, than you are, but it's those two elements, yeah. the photography and the score, and to a lesser extent for me, uh, uh, Jennifer O'Neill that uh, make it uh, you know essential.
1: Yeah, The Incredible Shrinking Woman, uh, Joel Schumacher's directorial debut. So. I don't know what we want to say about this one but uh Shout Select Shout has put it out on their Shout Selects line and uh so uh
3: it's, it's a movie that's
4: it's a movie that's kind of getting I mean you know when I see some people mentioning it online they're like that's a great movie it should be uh, or whatever <laughs> I'm like but of course when it came out it was universally drubbed by critics yeah. and audiences too so uh, uh I don't know what to think of it. I remember trying to watch it on cable mm-hmm. and uh, giving up after like 10 or 15 minutes because I just didn't – I I don't know. It has. A, I, I remember it having a weird um, – a very, very strange feel to it. Uh,
2: yeah. it. It is a strange movie, but I do like when the gorilla gives the guys the finger, though, when, he, when he's rescuing the <laughs> adoption, and the gorilla gives him the finger, that's the only thing I remember about the whole movie, but yeah. I think I remember them using that shot in
4: the promos for the movie on HBO. Or it's probably
2: the best scene, and it's the only scene I
0: remember in the whole damn movie. Um, so I'm, I'm sure they're I'm sure they're re-releasing it now to kind of capitalize on downsizing coming out. I think they're trying to like uh, make sure they flood the market with as many shrunken people movie as possible. Can I
2: ask a question? Just not to not to get too far off topic. What's okay. your word on the street
0: on downsizing?
4: The word on the street is that it's, uh, that it's not very, it's not a very satisfying movie. Uh, um, I don't want to get too much too, too deep into it, but, uh, and, and frankly, I've only, you know, read just sort of like the the whispers in the air kind of, Mm -hmm. but, uh, it's, it's, it's been generally, you know, it's general been generally downsized from the uh, from the big uh, expectations that we all had mm-hmm. for it. <laughs>
0: the word on the street about downsizing is it's a bad thing because most people are living on the street because of downsizing. <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. Oh, <laughs> I'm sorry, I couldn't have said that. Okay. <laughs> uh, oh, well.
1: Okay. Uh, so there's a Paul Naschy collection, volume two. There was a Paul Naschy collection a couple of months ago. So now we've got volume two, which has Werewolf of the Yeti and Hunchback of the Morgue and Devils Possessed and A Dragonfly to Each Corpse.
2: So it's a Paul
1: Naschy completist screen That's factory. That's real head. title. Yeah. Wait, <laughs> what's is. the? What,
2: go back to the Yeti one. Wait, what's the Yeti one now? The what's
1: Werewolf that? and the Yeti from 1975. <laughs> Yeah. My brother didn't mention that he was in that movie. I mean, <laughs>
2: <laughs> which what is he? Is he
4: the year werewolf or the Yeti? No, no he's the Yeti. I mean, a Yeti.
1: Oh, uh,
2: okay. This no, this guy was I on a roll,
1: get, though. I hope we get residual paychecks
2: from that. I mean. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> He, he made he cranked out three of these films in 1975 alone. So
2: he was hey, he was I'll on the
1: ball.
3: Was he? Uh,
1: a, was he a Mexican? Is he a Mexican filmmaker?
4: Is that, is, is that the deal? I, I'm just trying. Is I'm, I'm, try, he a
3: Dean, Dean, really?
4: <laughs> what? I'm just trying to like figure I, out what his where he worked and where he didn't he do stuff in Mexico mostly. I think so. Yeah. Okay, so that's just, uh, I mean, I, I don't know if he's Mexican by nature, by, you know, birth or whatever, but uh, that's probably the reason he was able to put those many, uh, that many out in a year, because yeah. things are cheaper down there. and So, anyway. They put out a lot. All
3: right. Mm. <laughs> <Go ahead. laughs> Man, um, Johnny
4: Carson in the house. Yeah.
3: Um,
1: Fucking rim um, shots left and right here. All right. Okay. <laughs> so The Last Laugh, the uh F.W. Murnau film from 1924 has been issued, but it's a silent, huh. of course. Uh that's uh Kino has restored that. Uh so that's been issued. Is that, and, that that's
4: not a Lon Chaney, is it? Is it a,
1: is that a Lon Chaney or is it It's uh, Emil Jannings and Emil Jannings, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah, Jannings, yeah. Yeah, okay. So uh, yeah, that that has been issued in. And uh, this is one of the best titles I think I've ever uh, seen, uh, well, as far as these trauma things go. There's some good ones, but this one's great. It's a 2013 film called The Thingy, Confessions of a Teenage Placenta. <laughs> <laughs> Those guys will just do anything, I swear. Uh, uh, I, I couldn't let that one pass. So, uh, 2013. <laughs> And uh, Troma has issued that, and uh, then we get into the Twilight Time stuff. Pretty, pretty strong slate of Twilight Time titles. We'll start with uh, Woody Allen's Bananas, Mm -hmm. which uh, you know, it's um, they're uh, quietly releasing all of the Woody Woody Allen catalog. Uh, I know in January they're going to be doing uh, uh, Husbands and Wives, and then in February they've announced that they're doing um, they're going to be doing Manhattan Murder Mystery, and then next month they're doing Alice. So they're 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 cranking them out and uh I work. I still enjoy bananas. It's on Amazon Prime right now. Yeah. And uh I love
4: the I I love the opening with Howard Cosell. Oh, I love the I uh, I love the um the weird Marvin Hamlisch score. Yeah. <laughs> kind of kind of odd. Uh and uh and the strange uh credit sequence That's very different from any other Woody Allen movie Oh yeah,
3: true. <laughs> and
4: um uh, uh, you know, just uh, so many jokes stand out, but I'll, I'll never forget him ordering uh, ordering from a deli for the <laughs> entire uh, battalion that he's commanding. And they have to deliver all of the coleslaw and everything and, and, <laughs> and wheelbarrows yeah, and everything's yeah. all bagged up. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> oh, man.
1: There's a lot of nutty
4: stuff in that movie.
1: <laughs> yeah, there are 1,000 grilled che- cheese sandwiches.
4: Oh, but, yeah, uh, that's the scene. That's the scene yeah. that I remember most. Uh, gosh.
1: And don't forget the Sylvester Stallone debut in that film because he uh, plays a thug on the subway. that Right. You know, yeah. <laughs> oh shit. Oh wow. I didn't, oh I forgot all about that. Uh, yes. <laughs> Holy. That's shit. a hilarious scene, by the way. Where where the he, they're beating up the woman and uh and Woody's trying not to get involved. and He puts the magazine in front of his face and he kicks her crutches to the right so that he doesn't <laughs> have, to have to get involved.
3: <laughs> that is great. <laughs> it's so great. Yeah. It's good movie. It
1: is. It's so so good. Yeah. I I watched it again and the transfer is impeccable. By the way, they they really done a good job and and is an interesting piece of trivia i said that uh Ralph Rosenblum who edited the film he said that uh, you know there's roughly 150 gags in the film i think and he said that Woody there were about 300 filmed he only used about half of what he had written so you can only imagine uh what what was not used uh, Ralph
4: Rosenblum I'll tell you what Woody Allen really put Ralph Rosenblum through the through the ringer with his movies I mean because I mean of course Annie Hollis was famously kind of saved in the editing room by him Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. when uh, Woody had like filmed a three hour uh, movie that included a murder in it and so forth and uh, and uh, really it was Rosenblum who really came in and and carved out what we know as Annie hall uh mm-hmm. into the shape that it's in now so it's it's interesting you know uh I know that Rosenblum has a book out there he it's that's great. Been a very fascinating book to read
1: yeah it's great i have it on my bookshelf it's <laughs> I highly recommend it it's uh there's a fascinating chapter on the making of the producers, which is just uh it's worth that uh, for worth it for that alone if nothing else uh mm-hmm. Because uh, Amel Brooks, is, he's, uh, according to Ralph Rosenblum, was very overconfident when he started. And then when he finished, he was scared to death. <laughs> Basically, he changed very quickly. <laughs> wow, wow. Yeah. Interesting. What's
4: the name of that book, by the way? Do you know uh, it? The it's
1: called uh, when, when the, the shooting, shooting Stops. stops. Yeah, yes. The Cutting Begins. Yeah. Okay. That's a great book. But um, anyway, so uh, Sayonara is another Twilight Time release. Marlon Brando, of course. uh Doing his method acting, playing the uh, the the Southern Air Force Major who falls in love with a Japanese actress, and while well, they're stationed near Kobe, Japan during the Korean War, and of course Red Buttons took home an Oscar for this. Uh, who's married to a Japanese woman. The, the film James Garner is is in it, and it's uh, interesting to to see this. Uh, I rewatched it, and um, Ricardo Montalban playing an Asian in the film. So. <laughs> no it's a little, it's they had a to do that
3: yeah, <laughs> but to, to
4: to be fair to the movie also who took home an oscar for supporting actress was miyoshi umeki uh yes. who uh you know became the first asian person to to win an oscar at least an acting oscar yes. i think yes. and uh and also uh, i guess most people would probably know her more for playing the uh the I guess the housemaid on uh uh the courtship of Eddie's father, right? Cause she was, I think she was, you're right, yeah. So uh yeah, the mm-hmm. TV show the Bill Bixby show. So
1: mm-hmm.
4: um but uh but you know, just to be fair, it, 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 the movie did break some ground.
1: It did. I I feel, my only complaint is it feel like it's a little overlong. Uh, it is. Yeah the the romance between Marlon Brando and by the way he just he's acting circles around everybody else in the movie they're all good but he's just in a class of his own but uh, you know I, I, the romance between Marlon Brando and the, and the, uh, the 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 Asian uh, girl she's um, that doesn't even take place until about an hour and ten minutes into the movie mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's uh, you know and and it's a it's 2 hours and 25 minutes i think so it's a little and it's directed by Josh Logan who you know did uh, what paint your wagon i believe and other things and, mm-hmm. uh, and and the the movie stops dead twice during the first hour for musical sequences where they're watching these uh, Asian showgirls. Oh, and <laughs> I remember that. And go, why
3: is this in this movie? <laughs> right, right.
1: Oh, my God. Because
4: I've only seen it once, and I saw it maybe yeah. 20 years ago, and I was like, what's the big deal on this? In fact, I didn't even really get the the whole deal around Miyoshi Yumeki and Red Buttons. I would have given the awards to other people. Yes.
1: <laughs> but. Uh, yes. Yeah, Brenda's but- awesome. He's great in there. I mean, he's really – He's got the southern dialect down pat and he's just it's it's pretty pretty interesting to watch so mm-hmm. but you know uh, fuck me now that, now that you brought that up mhm uh yeah
0: Brando's an Brando's an amazing actor but my favorite actor I <laughs> I've watched the the latest movie from my favorite actor uh called Hangman Al Pacino
2: uh-huh. oh yeah oh, that's yeah. Al- oh okay Oh my Uh.
0: God! (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Oh no! You know, and even the even the bad movies, or most of the bad movies, I can find some reason that he participated, and I could find some worth in his performance. Even some like Two for the Money, I think that's an interesting character that he played, and he had some moments in it that were good. He's just bad. I mean, he's, he's really, like, on autopilot. And there's something that happens when someone's habits take over. Uh, Pacino is not Southern, but he puts on a Southern accent in, like, so many of the roles that he's really bad in. And I got to say, I think the worst thing that ever happened to him was that was Scent of a Woman, because that was such an indelible part I think a lot of times he, he has not shaken that part off since he did that movie. Like mm-hmm. it pops up in other, other stuff that he does. And I know even in some of the
4: good that. stuff, even in some of the good stuff, yeah.
0: like Heat, for instance, you know, there's, there's,
4: mm-hmm. there's definitely some moments in Heat, that I'm like, ah, uh, here's here's that old role coming back.
0: Yeah. yeah, but he's. I mean, he's exceptional in stuff like Insomnia and Merchant of Fitness. I mean, he's. I mean, he's the. I, I know, and the HBO stuff he's done, I know he's still a great actor. But uh, it, it's just, it, it's mystifying, and it's got me thinking about actors and their habits. Like, everybody has habits. Like, uh, Hackman mm-hmm. had, had habits. Uh, Duvall has habits. Like, he ends every sentence with, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. And then uh, <laughs> Hack, Hackman has that damn smirky laugh that he does in every single role. Uh, so, I mean, everybody has them. It's just. Is there not a director alive who's who's got the wherewithal to say okay, a little less of that because we've Mm. seen that a million fucking times.
3: Yes,
4: it's like they might be afraid.
0: I mean, they might be afraid to say
4: anything to them because I mean, you know, I would imagine that the director of the Hangman is is a nobody, right? I mean, it's somebody that we've never heard of. So yeah. they're probably just like, eh, I don't want to step on his toes. We're lucky to have the fucker. You know, it's like, uh, <laughs> you know, it's, so that's the deal,
3: you know.
1: Mm. <laughs> well, well, we'll move right along. Do,
0: hopefully, hopefully it'll be a phenomenal Hoffa performance that he gives in Scorsese's movie. Yeah, don't and then, of course, Scorsese we have, is, yeah. and, we
3: have and we have Joe
0: Paterno. And we have Joe Paterno.
3: his Joe
4: Paterno coming that's up. That's true, so.
3: yeah.
0: Okay, Those look good. I feel better.
1: Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Thank
3: that's you. what we're here for. <laughs>
1: okay. Well, uh, another Twilight Time that's being issued. First time ever in widescreen. uh panned and scanned on video before. It's a Gidget from 1959. That's uh, Sandra D., Cliff Robertson, James Darren, Arthur O'Connell, and the Four Preps. <laughs> oh, the Four Preps. I love them. Yeah, they're in there. Uh, <laughs> it's uh Paul Wincoast directed, but of course this, I uh, know, this Yeah, led to the T V show, of course, and uh what more can you say? So uh anyway yeah, and it's, the, four uh, one of those the four preps and are all played by, by Army Hammer, right? <laughs> that, was, that would that be was, great. could uh, yeah. no, do it that. With, yeah, <laughs> it with them playing that part. Yeah.
3: Uh, uh, that's
1: a good idea. So, uh, yeah, it, it was filmed in CinemaScope as well, so that, that should be, uh, it's nice to have it in widescreen. And then there's a, the 50th anniversary edition of. Doctor Doolittle, directed by our Uh, uh, (laughs) frequent conversation piece, uh, Mr. Richard Fleischer, who seems to come up in our uh, Er, er, seems to come up about every other show.
4: Because he did a billion movies, he really did. He was all over the place, that guy. Uh, But
3: (laughs) I
0: mean, he really did. Um, I just got to say, our friend Aaron uh, posted on his Facebook the other day. He said, "I finally got around to watching Doctor Doolittle. Jesus." (laughs)
2: <laughs> that was like yeah, a, I saw all that. that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I saw
0: that. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that. That's incredible. Well, I a great one-word review. I mean, that, nothing, nothing says like the the passing of the baton from one generation of filmmaking to the next than that Oscar race. We yeah, you had such kidding. kind of cutting-edge movies nominated, right and left, and then Doctor Doolittle. It was, you yes. knew that it was like the end. of the Dying, gasping breath of an error. Um,
3: yeah. Although it,
0: it didn't. I mean, what, uh,
4: what else was Hello Dolly named in that that same race? No, that was no was years, 69. Yeah. that was
1: sixty nine. So that
4: was sixty nine. So it didn't stop them from nominating Hello Dolly that year.
1: So <laughs> it was like, that's true. You know, uh, they weren't—they were weren't done. <laughs> yeah, they—they—they they, they didn't learn any lessons because they had a couple of—and Star was a big failure too. You remember in '68? Yeah,
4: yeah, but that and didn't a, stop
1: that from getting a
4: few nominations too. No, nope, so.
1: it did not. But uh, those—those were—those were all big colossal failures.
3: Mm-hmm. You know,
1: uh, and they just wouldn't give up wouldn't say no but this is a this is interesting it's the 50th anniversary uh edition and um it does have uh they've remixed all the audio stems for 5.1 and all that and there's uh they actually have an audio commentary here with uh Leslie uh Brickus
3: who mm. uh
1: did a lot of the uh, you know wrote a lot of lyrics for a lot of songs from films of that period the Willy Wonka was another one the chocolate factory and all that so
3: this is what, Any,
1: uh, is this another score that he did with Anthony Newley? I can't even
4: remember. Did, I did... believe so, yeah. Okay, so, uh, yeah, okay, mm, boy. You know what? I, I'll i be honest. I'm with Aaron. I have never sat through the entire movie. I mean, I think I tried to watch it as a child and thought that it was you know, bullshit. So, I was like, <laughs> I, you know, it, it looks, uh, you know, somehow, didn't it win for best uh, special effects, but it's so fakey <laughs> looking, and oh boy. <laughs> I mean, it is just, and I don't even like the songs. I mean, I don't even like talk to the animals. Uh, but, oh, yuck, no yeah, thanks. It's, uh,
1: but, if there are fans, and if you're among them, there it is. Okay. Then, uh, the last Twilight Time release is the 1977 film The Yellow Handkerchief, which which won the Japanese equivalent of the Best Picture Award, uh, and I have not seen this. Uh, mm. I was vaguely familiar with it, but um, it's adapted from a series of 1971 columns written by the American journalist Pete Hamill and uh, tells the tale of a road trip that is uh, spontaneously undertaken by a trio whose backstories are revealed through uh, flashbacks, so... Uh, like I said, I, I haven't gotten to filmmaker? that Who's the filmmaker?
4: Can you say the filmmaker? And we Let's promise. Let's try. We... <laughs> Let's
1: try. Get, get, get your recording get device your ready. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> we'll try. Uh, Yoji Yamada. Not too okay. difficult. So. Okay. Not too bad. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, anyway, uh, uh, Kikuchi. Uh, Shunsuki Kukuchi. <laughs> wait, what's the name? Wait, 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 I'm sorry.
2: What's the name of this movie? What's the name of this um, It's the, th-
1: the yellow handkerchief. Uh, Kukuchi. Uh,
2: Shunsuki Kukuchi. <laughs> <laughs> this is really good. I think I've seen. I think I've seen that because this is by the same director of The Twilight Samurai, right? Um, I think so. This is, well,
1: uh, very uh, good.
2: Too, um, yeah. Um, very wonderful movies. Wonderful, wonderful so, movies.
1: Yeah, well, uh, we have Attack of the Puppet People from
2: 1958. It's too bad. We go from the yellow handkerchief to the Attack of the Puppet People. Yeah. <laughs> That's fucking... One. That's
1: fucking... Directed by Wonderful. Bert I Gordon. Great Bert. <laughs> ah, I-, Gordon. I love oh,
2: him. Poor
1: Burt. Per poor Burt
2: Gordon. Poor Burt. Yeah. Bert. He's still
1: among us too, by the way. He's still in the, he's up in his nineties, but he's still still around. Yeah. We gotta get him, him on the show. Him him? Yeah. I'd love to actually if he'll if he'll do it, I I'm actually friends with him on Facebook. I should reach out to him. You should. Let's get him on the show and talk. I'd love that. I, yes. I need yes. to do that. It'll
0: be part of it'll be part of our new special One Foot in the Grave series.
1: It'll be
3: great.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Hey, we have to wait. We have to wait until these guys are available. You know, they have a lot of
1: time now. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, Well, that's what Gilbert does, right? That's what they do on their show. That's true. That's true. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I was just listening to an older. Very quickly, I'll digress. But there, I was listening to an episode I'd missed uh, from the archives on Gilbert, and he, he was interviewing J, uh, Judd Apatow, and they, he told a great story about uh, said that when he was uh, a teenager, they used to ride these. Uh, they used to ride their uh, mopeds or whatever up on Mulholland Drive, and uh, they were riding up there where uh, Jack Nicholson lives. You know, his house is on the right, and then Brando's on the left. You know, down the hill. And uh, they got up to the gate and they just happened to stop and a, a woman pulled up and they said they just happened to hear Jack Nicholson's voice come through the speaker box and he says, "Well, you got to take your pants off before I open the gate." <laughs> <laughs>
3: Oh God! Oh man!
1: And Judd Apatow said, "What are the odds that we would actually hear that stuff that happened while we were there?" Oh. <laughs>
4: oh man.
1: Oh, um, I can only imagine what happened after they got past the game. But anyway.
4: Yes. So well, I'm sure. I I am positive the pants came off.
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. But I uh, laughed so hard when I heard that story. I said, "That's a that's a good one. I'll have to." Repeat that one. Mm. So uh, yeah, so Warner Archive has issued Battle Cry uh, from 19, I believe it's 55. Yes, uh, directed by Raoul Walsh and running two hours and 29 minutes, and it's uh, Van Heflin and Aldo Ray, and uh, you know, it's the uh, it's a World War II thing with them. So um,
4: I love Aldo Ray, but I can't stand Van Heflin. I I don't know why. I just uh, It's, it's you know it's Something about Van Heflin's like red hair And his And his sort of uh, You know that skin That sort of orange skin <laughs> It's like uh, I don't know. It's, uh, He works better in black and white Than he does in color Let's put it that way yeah. so, I mean uh, I've always
0: felt that, uh, that It was never the same after David Lee Roth left that was always oh, I know,
3: man.
2: always 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 that. Uh... <laughs> oh
4: man, one, <Heflin>, please.
1: <laughs>
2: <Yeah>.
4: <laughs> All right. And
0: and
1: speaking of Gilbert, the Gilbert documentary has been uh released. I saw that. Uh Really? Was it good? I haven't seen it yet.
0: Uh it was fine. Like uh yeah, it's fine. It's good. Uh, because you and I are alike, we we both really like Gilbert Gottfried. Uh, yes, we do. Like every time you and I talk, we talk about Gilbert Gottfried. <laughs> it <laughs> seems like, but uh, yeah, uh, the first like twenty minutes are especially kind of revelatory because you do mm-hmm. really see him uh, with his family and how he is with his kids and how gentle natured he is. And then there's a part towards the end that's that's pretty moving. Mm.
3: Um,
0: it's it's good. Uh, and I was thinking, is this all going to be like Soft Gilbert? Uh, but no, no, it doesn't skimp on his uh, at- atrocities on stage. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, By the way, yeah. just to go back to Battle Cry for
4: a second, it does have a pretty good cast, not only just reading off of IMDb, not, I've never seen it, but... Uh, uh, Nancy Olson, who was in uh, Sunset Boulevard, nominated for an Oscar for that. James Whitmore, Raymond Massey, D- Tab Hunter, Dorothy Malone, Ed Francis, uh, and L.Q. Jones in an early role. Uh, and so and Fess Parker. Just, <laughs> just in case all of that wasn't enough. So actually, that supporting cast makes me want to watch it a, a, a little bit more.
1: Yeah, interesting. Very interesting. So uh, there's, uh, mm, let's see, where was that? JD's Revenge, 1976, has been issued by Arrow. That's uh, starring Glenn Turman, Louis Gossett Jr., and uh, um, Fred Pinkard. That's a horror film about this uh, gangster who comes back to get revenge uh, after, as I guess, possessed by a demon or whatever. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Zombie, case. that's right, yeah, yeah. yeah. I've seen it, it's been a long time, but one yeah. of those black exploitation things, but uh haven't seen it in forever, so I don't mm. remember a lot about it. But uh, Arrow has issued that along with the George Romero box set between Night and Dawn, which uh contains all the films he made between Night of the Living Dead and Dawn of the Dead. Um So
4: you know, what, the crazies and
1: Yeah, there's always vanilla. The crazy oh, I tried and, to uh, watch There's Always Vanilla. That's one of his only,
4: I think, is that his only, like, non-genre movie? Like, basically? I think it is, yeah. It was, yeah. I tried to watch it. I was like, it's unwatchable. I couldn't watch it. <laughs> it, was, it was, you know, 30 minutes in, I was out of there.
1: Well, he was hellbound and determined to do something outside the horror genre after that. He was trying to distance himself, and then he... He realized, I think, that that was a bad move because I've read interviews where he regretted it. But, you know. Gotta, yeah, it's one of those messy kind of
4: '60s movie kind of feel yeah. to it, you know, where it's freewheeling and and you know and uh, you know it's ugh, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, if you, it's like one of those '60s movies that has a lot of party scenes in it, and you're like, what? And <laughs> it's just a bunch of yeah. obnoxious people. Ugh, no thanks.
1: Yeah. Well, a couple of Criterion releases here. Uh, one is uh, Les Samurai. Uh, with John P- directed by Jean Pierre Melville, Alain Deloyne and uh, Nathalie Deloyne, and mm-hmm. um, I haven't seen that one actually, but uh, from nineteen sixty seven. And I, uh, I have to go-
4: say, I have to say it's kind of a it, it's kind of a it's a little bit of a blind spot for me uh, that yeah. one too. Which one? So,
2: which one is it? Which, which Les Samurai? Yeah, Les Samurai. Oh, that's a masterpiece. That's, mm. that's one of the. Um, you could not have Hong Kong cinema without that movie. In mm-hmm. all seriousness. Um, that's John ja Mu's like that's his favorite film of all time, one of his favorite films. So the relationship between um Melville and Delon is really sort of the cornerstone of modern Hong Kong action movie from the eighties on. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah, so you know, but I really strongly recommend that movie. Mm-hmm. I, I saw it twenty years ago and it, it just it's amazing. Beautiful movie. And, and it's got a little bit of an
4: influence on uh Jim Jarmusch too for Ghost oh. over, right? Yeah,
2: oh
1: yeah. Oh so, so certainly. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm. So there's well the other another criterion release is um uh, well actually two more. There's uh, Jabberwocky, which uh, is the oh, uh, oh I forgot you know, about that. Yeah,
2: oh
1: yeah. Yeah, a lot of nice uh, extras on there, uh with a new Surround DTS Audio Master, supervised by Terry Gilliam himself. And there's a documentary on it and uh, new 4K restoration and uh, some new interviews there and uh, rare behind-the-scenes photographs and audio interview with uh, Terry Bedford, the cinematographer. So if you're a Jabberwocky fan, uh, there's that and also Desert Hearts from 1985, which was Kind of, ahead of, kind of ahead of the curve when it comes to, in terms of lesbian cinema, uh, directed by Donna Deitch, I think that's how you pronounce her name, mm-hmm. and uh, this, if you'll recall, this was photographed by Robert Ellswit, who went on to greater fame with uh, his work with Paul Thomas Anderson, later on with uh, photographing Boogie Nights and Magnolia, and this was an early effort of his, and this is a new restored 4K transfer supervised by Robert Ellswit and there's a uh, 2007 commentary uh, with the director and uh, conversation between uh, the director and Jane Lynch mm. and, Helen, and the interviews with Helen Shaver, who's in the film. Uh, and uh, so if you're a fan of Desert Hearts, um, there it is. They've done a great job with that. And well, uh, I know Dean is a great what's fan the name of wh- this film. Oh, go ahead.
0: What's the name of that movie? It has Desert in the title, uh, I think. John Voight. Boy- And I want to say it's
2: like Desert Heart or
1: Desert Moon, maybe? It's not
2: apocalyptic, apocalyptic but there's one I think
1: it's Oh, Desert Bloom, that's it. Desert Bloom. Bloom. Is that it? I'm
0: pretty sure. I don't think it's not
1: apocalyptic, though. Is it Joe Beth Williams in it? Yes. Yes. That's Desert Bloom, yeah. All
2: right. But that's not yeah, apocalyptic. Strange. It's about. It does have it. Oh, it does it,
1: have a, it, it, it. It was, was for me. me.
2: Okay, okay. It, well, okay, okay. I got you. I got you, brother.
4: Okay. <laughs> and it did come out at about the same time too. So uh, yeah. Hmm.
1: Sure did. Mid eighties. So I know you're a big fan of Kedai, uh Dean. At, oh uh, yes, or K-
4: Keddy or Kitty, I think is how how you would say Keddie. it. But
1: okay, yeah, that makes sense.
4: Yeah. Uh, but oh yes, that's a great movie. In fact, uh, my <laughs> my mom is a huge fan of being a a massive uh, cat person.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: And I told her today. I said, oh, well. She said, what's the what's the show going to be about? I said, uh, uh, it's said uh, December Blue. She said, don't forget to mention Kitty. Uh, I said, <laughs> oh, okay, I, I'll I'll you know usually we don't do you know recent films, but I'll mention it. So it's good. It's been mentioned. It is one of the best movies of the year. Um, uh, uh, it, it's, it, if you're an animal lover, you'll you'll really dig it. And uh, beyond that, it's just a. Uh, it's also a really great sort of travelogue. You feel you feel like you've well, really visited, you know, uh, Istanbul, Turkey. After uh, watching it.
3: It, it, it's really well, really I mean, good. If movie. you
0: if you love kitty, if you love kitty, then you're in luck because. Garfield is coming out on Blu-ray. This <laughs> is that what you're about to say, Adam? <laughs> no. We we're going to move into a different area totally, but... But uh... <laughs> strangely enough,
4: even though I'm a cat nut, <clears throat> this is a cat household, I've never seen Garfield. I've never seen that, uh, you know... We, we were fans of the comic, you know, way back in the 80s, but... Of course, it kind of lost its track a little ways. How
0: about uh, I mean, How about that darn cat? How about that movie? I <laughs> I, uh,
4: I enjoy that one a little bit more and, uh the Cat from Outer Space. Uh, yeah, there of you, go. <laughs> uh, you know. Of there course, you there you go. go. I mean, you know, but uh, Kitty is probably the king cat movie ever. Uh, you know, at least, at least right now. Although I. Although I would also pop it, you know Harry and Tonto, obviously.
0: Oh, I <laughs> anyway, love Harry and Tonto. That's great. Yes. How about the uh, How about the Chinese restaurant scenes in *Year of the Dragon*? Good
1: they um, are tragic. Yes. Well, how about Hal Wallace's 1953 film *Ceasefire* in 3D, and it has been issued in 3D. Is that a war and, movie? It is. It is. Interesting. A 3-D
4: war movie. Now, I, now that I'm interested in. Directed by Owen Crump.
3: Oh, so, oh uh, the
4: great Owen Crump.
2: Yeah.
3: <laughs>
4: <laughs> Helen Crump's uh, brother, obviously. <laughs> uh, Helen <Yeah>. Crump.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
4: uh, wow. Okay.
1: Yep. So there's that, and uh, there's a uh, collection of Fritz Lang uh, silent films. That's been issued by Kino. Uh, also, Hangover Square from 1945. Huh? And Which I've uh, never
4: I've never seen that. By the way, those those a lot of those Fritz Lang movies are uh, really crazy. I mean, mm-hmm. really nuts. Like, I imagine spiders in that uh, box set and. If you've never seen that, that's a really great spy movie. It is, Uh, is. and real, really, really unusual. Uh, But you know, it's nothing. You we expect nothing less from Fritz Lang.
1: At two hours and fifty-three minutes, I might add as well.
3: Yes. Mm -hmm.
1: So yeah, but uh, and here's a film that uh, I think still holds up as far as you know. Now we're in the the resurgence of Stephen King adaptations, and this is one that gets forgotten. I think, unfortunately, Doris Claiborne has mm. been issued by Warner Archive. Thankfully, because I think that's that's one of the better ones, I believe. And, it feels uh, more serious, definitely. It does. Uh and uh, yeah, yeah, that's that's true.
0: That's a that's a good one. Yeah, it kind of gets overlooked. I've always liked that movie. I like I like what Taylor Heckford did with it, and I like that um, I like the performances in it, uh, mm-hmm. even. Um, uh, it is it is interesting, if you watch Gerald's Game, there's another scene um, of the little, of the girl, the young girl watching a eclipse uh, while her father's molesting her. Mm. It's not a pleasant movie, but uh, it's, it's, it's no, funny no, how it's these, uh, have these different elements like carry over from one Stephen King adaptation to the next, because there's that mm-hmm. big eclipse scene in Dolores, the girl looking at the eclipse.
1: Mm. Yeah. Hmm. Well, uh, the 1944 film, I'll Be Seeing You, with the Ginger Rogers, Joseph Cotton, and Shirley Temple. Uh, and this is when Shirley Temple was not a child anymore. <laughs> trying to make that odd transition there. But, uh, uh, I've never, never seen, seen, it. Never no, seen that one either. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, that's
0: an aptly titled movie for you, Dean. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've that's true. funny. Uh, true. Yeah, and, uh, I, I've been wanting to see. Uh, I've been wanting to see See You in the Morning, one of the last Alan Pacula movies.
1: Oh um, yeah, with Jeff oh, Bridges, yeah.
0: right? Yeah. We saw that. Yeah, that's yeah.
3: That's
4: like in the nine, like 1990 or
2: remember, something. I remember, I remember, yeah, I remember, I remember watching that mm-hmm. because uh, I don't remember it came. I don't think it came. I think I just remember seeing it on video cassette back in the day. It's a good movie.
1: Yeah, I heard you guys talking about the the Alan Pakula documentary last week, and I I wanted to mention that uh, I'm good friends with somebody who lives near me that was uh, the female lead in uh, Fear Strikes Out. And uh, she had told me a couple of months ago, they flew her to New York to interview her for that documentary as well. Mm. And uh, her her name's Norma Frank, but she's billed uh, differently in in the film. But um, she – so apparently that documentary is going to include his – Work as a producer, you know, when he teamed up with Robert Mulligan before he started directing films. Yeah. And he was going all the way back. So, uh, so because she's conducted, she's done interviews on camera for it. And she was telling me about it. He like, had he
0: had, a, a, he had a major Im- impact on American cinema. I mean, it, it, it honestly, is. he's al- he's always been one of my favorite uh, filmmakers. Yeah. And a rare film, or a rare producer. Uh,
4: I mean, like an Oscar-nominated producer. He almost won the Oscar for *To Kill a Mockingbird*. Yeah. But, uh, um, uh The rare producer that successfully makes the jump over to being a director.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh,
4: very, very rare. I
1: think. <clears throat> yeah, that's true. Yeah, she uh, she she has some interesting stories that she's told me, and so uh, I, I thought about actually trying to get her on uh, because *Fear Strikes Out* turned. Uh, 60, and so I thought, well, so that might be interesting, but I, I just never got past the, the thought stage of it.
3: Mm.
1: <laughs> we do we well, it. If you're going to do it, you better, it. better do it now. Uh, better get on mm-hmm. with it, right? <laughs> right? Yeah. So – uh there's a couple of other – we're getting towards the end here, so we're actually doing this in record time, I think. <laughs> we're getting real close to the end. But The uh, the Defiant Ones is a, a recent thing, but I, it's a documentary I wanted to mention. It's the one uh, – the documentary about Dr. Dre and Jimmy Iovine. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, directed by Alan Hughes and uh, uh, pretty good stuff. Um, if you haven't seen it, I, I would recommend it.
3: What's the deal Uh,
1: there? I mean, what's the real,
4: I mean, it's, it's, uh, what is the, I guess, what's the drama here or whatever?
1: Well, it just chronicles their, you know, how they're, how different, their different backgrounds and, uh, you know, how their partnership was kind of, was not something that, uh, that would have that you would have anticipated how you know these two people from different backgrounds came to that place where they became collaborators and and contributed like they did okay uh, but it it goes all the way to their their past and you know it, it traces their uh the, the places that led them to each other and uh all that so uh, it's By the know, way can I can I mention something
4: here? One thing that I watched this week, uh, I did watch the Jim and Andy documentary, and I thought that movie was extraordinary. And I thought mm. that that was better, way better than Man on the Moon. I mean, way better. Uh, I just, you know, I've always felt like Man on the Moon fell down in – in trying to impose a structure onto this the, the the traditional biopic structure on Andy Kaufman's life, and I felt like this movie really got into Andy Kaufman and of course into Jim Carrey, uh, just way way more uh, successfully. Uh, that uh, Jim and Andy really just blows you away. With, uh, was mainly with, uh, Jim Carrey's commitment to it, uh, you know, which, you know, borders on the crazy, really. Uh, but he, but he had to do it because of the character that he was portraying. And, uh, you, you know, he had to give it his all. And I actually did not find Jim Carrey to be so in the clouds as I thought he was going to be, you know, judging from what you were saying about it, Jamie, last, uh, our last episode, I, I I thought that he was you know uh, a, a little spacey, but but relatively grounded. I thought I I found uh, I found his um, his musings on the whole thing quite moving. Hmm. Uh, so I, I I think that's one of the better documentaries of the year.
0: Um. Yeah, they're just they're just moments of his interview, like the end when he's run out of bullshit to say.
2: Where oh yeah. The... <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
4: Well, he just said, "Well, I'm just tapped out. I don't have any more to to give you."
3: <laughs> you yeah, know, after, so. go,
0: after 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 going after going on talking about you know, do I have free will when I pick up this teacup? And he went on a big like <laughs> five, five minute rampage about the state of being and all that kind of stuff. I didn't. I didn't, I didn't roll my eyes.
4: I didn't see all that in it. I just uh, you know, I mean, it, it might be there, but but that's not what stuck out to me. So, but uh, but you know. Whatever, <laughs> you know, we still both like the movie. So, <laughs>
1: all, right. all
4: right, moving on.
1: Well, okay, uh, <laughs> a couple of uh, couple of things here. Well, another Stephen King adaptation has been reissued by this time by Scream Factory in a, um, and they've done a a, a two disc special edition, new four K transfer and new extras, uh, Misery. Oh. The, uh, uh, Kathy Bates again, yep. like Dolores Claiborne. So uh, it's uh, I, a lot. I prefer
4: Dolores Claiborne over Misery
3: <laughs> personally. <laughs> I
4: I I've never I've never gotten to that movie, and I, I don't think she deserves the Best Actress for uh, Oscar either. Hmm. Um, you know, but that that's just you know, I don't know. I'm just not a big Stephen King fan. What can I tell you?
0: Mm-hmm.
4: Three or four movies are fine, but that's about
0: it. Well, uh, uh, have you ever have you ever caught into a movie that has actual cotton in it?
3: <laughs> <laughs>
0: places that's in the heart, point, places it? in the heart has great uh, cotton in it, uh, okay. and Django,
3: Django
4: <laughs> and, and I like the third man that has Joseph Cotton in it. <laughs>
0: and, uh, and The Godfather, uh, Marlon Brando's stuff cotton in his
2: jowls. So. Yeah, yeah, I mean,
1: there you go. Hmm. Well, uh, how about Death Dream, the 1972 horror film uh, directed by it, Bob Adam. Clark? Yeah, <laughs> ah, there we go. Bob Clark.
4: Yeah, yeah Bob a- Clark. You know what that's that's about a that's about a Vietnam veteran that uh gets killed in the war and then comes back to America as a zombie to mm-hmm. uh to wreak revenge on all of the people that convinced him to sign up to go into the army anyway. That's so it. and uh yeah, it's a weird movie. It's got John Marley in it as the dad, uh yeah. And, Same uh, year as the
1: Godfather, too, by the way. <laughs> oh
4: yeah, that's right. What a what a weird uh, boy. What a weird trajectory to to travel in one year. But um, <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, not entirely successful. I I saw it at the drive-in as a mo- as uh, under the title Dead of Night. Yep.
3: Um,
4: and uh, it did stick with me as a child. I re I I remember a, uh, certain scenes from it just. Searing it their way into my brain But when I took a look at it as an adult I was like, yeah, it's not so great And that comes from uh, Bob. I'm a fan of Bob Clark mm-hmm. uh, Horror work uh, Particularly Black Christmas Of
0: course But uh, yeah, I mean, it's a curio
1: There's a ton loose of cannon. answers on that, this.
0: That's pretty horrifying I What now?
1: <laughs> loose cannons
4: <laughs> Oh yeah, loose cannons God, yeah. I can't even believe that exists <laughs>
1: I'll take uh, that dream over that any day. <laughs> yes, <laughs> but uh, yeah. Or, or what's the what's the uh, sequel to uh, A Christmas Story? It runs in the family or something like that. <laughs> That's I, oh bad. God, I forgot about that. <laughs> That's pretty bad. Charles mm-hmm. Rogan's in that, I think.
3: Oh man,
1: <laughs> oh. yeah. Well, the Death Dream Blu-ray is, is pretty impressive uh, as far as the extras. Uh, I mean, it might be worth two year, more to you to get it for the extras than the film because it has uh, uh, Alan Ormsby, the writer of the film. It has his uh, student films. It has uh, commentaries about Bob Clark, who's now deceased, of course. It has a documentary on Tom Savini, The Early Years. There's an interview with the, the star, the guy who plays the, the Vietnam vet, Richard Backus. And there's uh, just all kinds of Stuff on here, and this is supposed to be the most complete print of the film that they've ever found. Okay. So, uh, you know, it's it, they've done a good job. It's uh, Blue Underground. But, so, Cop Out from 1967, starring James Mason, Geraldine Chaplin, and Bobby Darren. What a what a wow. trio there. <laughs> <laughs> that was nuts.
3: <laughs>
4: oh God! Yeah. I gotta love them for throwing out all these these movies. You know these these older movies. They're, yeah. Uh, they're, uh, you know it feels like we're discovering
1: them for the first
4: time, and uh, and that's wonderful.
1: I know the studios don't care about them, so uh, I'm glad these boutique labels are you know putting them out there, and it's it's nice. It is, and uh, that was a Kino release. As is, uh, well, no, this is Cult Epics has released Death Laid an Egg. <laughs> from nineteen sixty eight. With Gina, Gina Lola Brigida and uh Jean Louis Trintig Trintig not Yeah. 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 Trintignac. yacht there you go. Yeah. Uh so uh, th- that's been issued and uh, uh just Kikuchi, Uh good, very good. The Woman in Red, uh directed by Gene Wilder from eighty four the
4: Oscar-winning Woman in Red.
1: Yeah, it did. It did. for well, best song, uh,
4: mm-hmm. uh, I Just Called to Say I Love You by uh, uh, Stevie Wonder.
1: Yeah. So. yeah. And, uh, First Brad time Takedo. I ever
0: saw Bush in a movie. Uh, that's the only memory I have of Woman in Red. Really? <laughs> That was the uh, I.
4: Gosh, I don't even I don't even remember that. I don't even
0: remember that part.
4: Yeah. I, I, you know I don't why? Don't because I it. never got all the way through the movie. Frankly, it, <laughs> I never
0: been able to watch well, it. And it's a PG film. I didn't get anywhere through it after that scene. <laughs> yeah, Rachel
1: PG, Ward, right? Yes. Uh, no. No. Uh, no. Tungle that's
4: Oh, yeah, Kelly, right, LeBrock.
1: Kelly LeBrock. I, sometimes
4: I would get those two mixed up. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Kelly LeBrock.
1: Yeah, and it was. It was PG-13. It was pretty amazing that they uh, got pulled that off. Wow. Uh, yeah.
4: It's pretty amazing what what uh, what
1: <laughs> what Jamie pulled
3: off too. <laughs> yeah, I mean. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Good. Good one. Good one. Uh,
1: uh, okay Oh, The High Commissioner from 1968 Starring Rod Taylor and Christopher Plummer And directed by Ralph Thomas So and, wait, who was Christopher
2: uh, Plummer rep- Replacing in that movie? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh my
4: god This episode is crazy <laughs>
1: uh. <laughs> Well, uh, David Steinberg directed The Wrong Guy in 1997. That stars Dave Foley and uh, Jennifer Tilly and Joe Flaherty, and uh, so all these are Kino issues. They they put out a bunch, and then uh, two two releases from Olive Films are Operation Petticoat, uh, directed one of the early directorial efforts from uh, Blake Edwards actually,
3: mm-hmm.
1: and uh, this is a nice have... deluxe edition with lots of extras. Uh, there's even a uh, a new um, Documentary, a uh, new uh, featurette with interviews, uh, featuring interviews with Blake Edwards' daughter Jennifer Edwards and uh, Leslie Ann Warren, uh, as they're talking about him and his work on here. So there's a lot of a lot of nice extras on that. And um, Father Goose is another Olive Films. Wow, release that's an interesting film.
2: double pairing.
1: That's an interesting pairing. That's a
2: yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. Then,
1: Leslie Caron, the, uh, you know, one of uh, the early girlfriends of uh, Warren Beatty. Leslie Caron. Uh, <laughs> Leslie Caron, yeah. <laughs>
4: Leslie Caron, right. We, we interviewed, interviewed her, her for her book. book. What's your uh, wrong with you tonight? Uh,
3: <laughs> <laughs> we interviewed
2: her for the book, right? Didn't we interview her a couple of years yeah. ago for her memoir?
1: Yeah, yes, I bought did. that
2: memoir the day we interviewed her. I was, like, trying to, yeah. you know, get, get into it, so. yeah.
1: And then uh the, this will be the final one. Uh we have Doc Hollywood from Warner Archive. <laughs> Michael P. Fox, Bernard Hughes and Julie Warner. It's a nice movie. That's a nice movie. And Woody Harrelson. it's uh, uh, true.
0: Yeah, Michael yeah. Fox said he fir- he first ha- he first started having symptoms of MS on the set of that movie. Hmm. Huh. Oh, interesting. When that went that far back.
4: I once, wow. I have a little side story, it's crazy, but I once met the guy that wrote the book, you know, Doc Hollywood. It's, it's based, he lives in Atlanta somewhere now, and uh, and I was like, oh wow, you, I didn't know who he was. And he said, yeah, I wrote Doc Hollywood. I'm like, what? <laughs> really? Yeah, it's based on my experiences, you know. Uh, I was just stunned, but that's just a little side
1: side note. Yeah, so that's uh, that wraps up the November Blu-ray releases. That's everything. Wow,
4: um, not
0: a not a not a Marjo Gortner title among them. I'm just no, excited. that's
4: the uh, what an outrage.
3: <laughs>
4: Although I do think I think the young Marjo Gortner might be in Battle Cry. <laughs>
2: Oh. oh, I was bad. i did not know that. The year
1: old ten-year-old Marjo Gortner a child Yes, actress.
4: as a as a, uh, as a war-torn uh, uh, moppet.
0: Yes. See, I thought I thought Marjo Gortner played the placenta in the thingy. Marjo.
4: With Marjo Gortner as the thingy. Oh. Uh, <laughs> Now, there's
1: the interview uh, I want. Marjo, Gortner. I we want got Marjo to talk. Gortner. Can
4: we get Marjo Gortner on the show? I, I would want. love Marjo Gortner. On I would show. love to talk to Marjo. I would, uh, too. That would be great. Uh, it would, wouldn't it be
0: funny if the thingy were like uh, a remake of The Thing for kids? <laughs>
1: <laughs>
4: I guess that's what they're... They're, that's what they're kind of trading on with that title. I didn't think about
3: that, but that's funny. Uh,
1: yeah, probably so. <laughs> yep. Well, anyway, it's uh, yeah. you got to say it's a diverse slate, right? Yes, yes,
4: a little bit more diverse than we're used to. So yeah. mm. I've gotten a ton of screeners, but uh, yeah. you know, most of the screeners that I've gotten are things I've already seen. Victoria and mm-hmm. Abdul and. Uh, mm. uh, Florida Project, uh, which I rewatched last night, good time. Yeah, I got I uh, uh, got a Ghost Story, which uh, you know I despise. It comes <laughs> at night, which I also despise. The Lovers, <laughs> which I was really disappointed in. I thought that they were good in it, but I thought the music really ruined the movie.
3: Hmm.
4: We got the Fate and the Furious. Somehow, f- for some reason, we got uh, Despicable <laughs> Me Three. We got the sp- uh, Split Spoil and get, get Out. <laughs> get Out. Yeah, and then we got this odd movie called The Ballad of Lefty Brown, which I'd never I heard that. of, with Bill I, Pullman. <laughs> I saw it.
1: I, I mean, I, I, I they sent it to me too. I haven't I haven't looked at it. And I got uh, I did get two that I hadn't seen: uh, the
4: Jane Goodall documentary called Jane, and I didn't uh, get that one. And the Killing of a Sacred Deer. And I got
1: that. I watched it yesterday.
4: So I, I'm I afraid know. to watch it. <laughs> and uh, I also got Marjorie Prime. Which I thought was a real waste of great talent, you know. Mm, yeah, oh,
2: that never even came out in theaters. That yeah. I was waiting for it, you I know, was curious if that would ever come out and it never came out around here. it said it, it sounded it looked interesting. I mean It's it's not. It's it's Lois
4: Smith is a elderly woman who's uh who's uh got a computer recreation of her dead husband played by John right. Hamm. Uh and uh I really, honestly, I only got about 25 minutes into it. I said, I, "Life is too short for this," because I just <laughs> right, um, right, I got you. I, I said, "I said, uh, you know, it's uh, the it's good cast, but but for some reason, the director Michael Almereida decided to direct them into giving sort of wooden performances. Like I just, I, it, it, it felt like a a bad play." Or something like an off-Broadway play or something And uh, yeah I just didn't have the patience for it So off it went Blong. The big <laughs> gong came out And that was it
3: but, uh, I say we closed
0: the show with a uh, With uh If I can talk to the animals
4: uh,
0: Yeah <laughs> Oh go. yeah sure why
4: not
3: But <laughs> well,
0: we'll do, okay, we'll do that The note. Sammy Davis Jr. version of it I- I've got Sammy's version
4: Okay, okay, that's that's
0: yeah. because, you
4: know, just Rick Harrison kind of talk scenes it like he always does. So uh yes. might as well get the actual tune.
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. And Sammy sings it hard, man. I mean it's it is his eyeball didn't pop out when he sings this movie. It's, it's pretty strong.
4: Just <laughs> shooting across the audience, you know,
0: somebody <laughs> out
3: there catches it. Did
0: you did you hear did you hear what Billy Crystal used to do to Sammy he was junior? They used to, because they were friends, so Billy Crystal used to uh, come up behind Shabby and like pat him on the back, say, hi, Shabby, and pat him on the back real hard, and then throw an olive on the floor. <laughs> 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 oh, God. That's
4: nuts. Uh, okay. Well, I guess this is the end. This is the yes. end. We'll, I guess we'll see you next week. Yep. And uh, oh, by the way, next week uh, I am seeing uh, the post tomorrow night, and uh, and then I will uh, I will also watch either Lady Bird or uh, three three billboards uh, uh, tomorrow night as well. Uh, I saw so, both
2: of those last week. Yeah. Okay. Seen, so, yes, both of those are very good. Both of those are mm-hmm. excellent, actually. So yeah, we'll I like talk. them both. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure they're going to be good. So,
4: uh, so we'll talk about mo- those more next week. Okay. And I'll,
0: I'll be watching the po- I'll be watching the postman tonight. Uh, <laughs> oh. so I'll report back on that next week. I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All
3: right. See you guys Bye-bye. later.
1: All right. Good night. night. Bye bye. Good, good night. Uh, Kikuchi uh, Shunsugi Kikuchi.
6: Whoa, if I could talk to the animals Just imagine if a with a, kitten, a chimpanzee. and chimpanzee Imagine talking to a tiger Chatting with a cheetah, what a neat achievement it would be. If we could talk to the animals and learn the languages, maybe take an animal degree. I'd study elephant and eagle, and buffalo and beagle, and alligator, guinea, pig and flea. I would converse in polar bear and python. I would curse in fluent kangaroo. If people ask me, can you speak rhinoceros, I'd say of course-a-rus. can't you? With our fellow friends Man to animal Think of the amazing repartee If I could walk with the animals And talk with the animals Grunt, squeak and squawk With the animals And love, they could talk to me Think what fun we have asking over crocodiles for tea, or maybe lunch with two or three lions, wall and sea lions. What a lovely place the world would be if I spoke slang to a ragga thing All oh, the advantages any fool on earth can plainly see. Discussing Eastern art and dramas with intellectual llamas and that's a big step forward, you'll agree. I'd learn to speak in antelope and turtle. My pecanese would be extremely good. If I were asked to sing in hippopotamus, I'd say, why not a must? And I would. If you stop and think of it, there's no doubt of it, I could win a place in history. If I could walk with the animals and talk with the animals, grunt, squeak, squawk with the animals, and they could squeak and squawk and speak.